0: Teach us how to pray, someone asked. Do we hold our hands like this or like this? Should we kneel or sit or stand? What are the best ways to address God? We don't want to mess this up. We know it's important. Life is difficult and we need God's help to get through it. John the Baptist taught his disciples various prayer techniques, so Jesus, we're your disciples, teach us how to pray. The disciple asking probably figured Jesus had a privileged line straight to God, some secret knowledge that he could share with them. Teach us, they ask, the secret handshake, the special words, give us the insider's access to God. So he taught them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. Just a couple of short declarative sentences. Say these things. Ask for this. Father, hallowed be your name. We begin not with a request, but a reminder of, for us, of just who it is we are addressing. Father is a common name for the divine in Jewish prayer. Other names include husband or spouse. Hosea actually enacted that name in the first reading. Shepherd, mother, almighty, king of heaven. There are many, but each evokes, when used in reference to God, the highest ideal. Begin your prayer with Father, Jesus tells us. Begin knowing that you are cherished. And begin cherishing the one who knows you. Your kingdom come. Scripture records many different kingdoms, stories. We are told about slaves in the kingdom of Egypt and exiles in the kingdom of Babylon. We hear about the shenanigans, conceits, and wars of the kings of Israel and Judah. Jesus and his first disciples lived in a kingdom. They knew intimately what it meant to be subjects of Herod, himself was a subject of Rome. And there are many people in the world today who still live under such oppressive conditions. For some, this plea, this demand, is a source of hope. And that's because scripture is full of promises of a coming kingdom, Whereas Isaiah records, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. But even those of us who don't live in oppressive kingdoms, whose lives might be seen by others as a bed of roses, can attest to life's thorns. We all long for the coming of the kingdom of God that Jesus keeps talking about, long for it to be made real in our lives. Elsewhere in the Gospel of Luke, someone, and whenever someone is not named, we're being invited to consider whether that might be ourselves someone will ask Jesus, when is the kingdom of God coming? And he answers, it is among you, or it is within you. Translations vary. This prayer, your kingdom come, is not only a very real plea for help, when the kingdom of God seems nothing but a vague dream, but is also a reminder that the kingdom is present. And more than that, we are to be active participants in making it visible in the world. We thought we were just asking God for something and it turns out God is asking something of us as well. Give us each day our daily bread. What do you need to get through today, just today? Bring it to mind and then ask for it. God may know our needs before we do, but ask anyway, every day. Talk to God every day, maybe even more than once. And then while you do that, remember the story of manna in the wilderness. Remember, the Hebrew people were wandering around in the wilderness, and they were hungry. They prayed, God, we need bread. And what they got was manna, which translates into, what's this? It was not what they asked for. And remember, too, last week's gospel lesson? It comes immediately before this section, distracted Martha, who was the designated host of a church convention taking place in her home. Well, she's busy. She's absolutely distracted, crazy busy, trying to take care of everyone else's needs. And so she prays, Jesus, help me. Make my sister help me. And Jesus tells her, No, that really isn't what you need. Quiet attention to the one thing right in front of you. That is more than enough. And I think he may have added, and despite what anyone else here may tell you, no one else needs any more than that from you either. So ask. Don't be surprised if you don't get what you ask for but trust you will be provided with what you need. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Now, I have to confess that this part of the prayer sometimes makes me nervous, because I don't. And when that happens, I find it's easy to shift my concerns over to the specific words used in this prayer. The maxim is, if you don't want to look at the big picture, go dig in the weeds. Is it sins or trespasses or offenses or pecados? Is this right one or right two? Or did somehow we stumble into a Baptist church service? There are lots of weeds we can distract ourselves with. The two versions of this prayer were given in the Gospels, in Matthew and in Luke, are Greek translations of what Jesus taught in Aramaic. The prayer we pray together every Sunday and that Christians around the world pray together in lots of different languages every Sunday and throughout the week are translations of composites of translations found in the Gospels and other early church records. So a little variation is to be expected. What is amazing is how similar they all are. And what can be helpful when those weeds start start sprouting is to flip through a thesaurus and substitute different synonyms to see how the prayer expands when you do so. Remission of sins. Forgiveness of debts. It can lead to wondering just who is my neighbor? In Luke's compilation of the gospel, we go from who is my neighbor to distracted by many things from what is most important to teach us to pray. There's no space between these pericopes. They all run together. We are being taught and nurtured as disciples, and so we can pray, not with the conceit of special knowledge, but with eagerness to know more. We can say, Father, you are always ready to forgive us The forgiveness we receive is limited only by the forgiveness we can't offer. Your kingdom is a place of forgiveness, not cruelty, peace, not vengeance. We have already asked your kingdom come, knowing it takes both your help and our work for its presence to be tangible. And part of our work is to express our gratitude for the forgiveness and mercy we receive from you, O God, by making the work of forgiveness a priority in our lives. Help us, which brings us to, and do not bring us to the time of trial. After the Last Supper, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray. He told those who follow him, pray that you may not come to the time of trial. And then he turned to God, fell on his knees, and asked that the cup be taken from him. Yet, not my will but yours be done. None of us wants to be brought to the time of trial, be tested, or led into temptation. We hope and pray that whenever those times come, they will pass us by. And in this prayer, we are reminded that when they do come to our lives, we are not left alone. Jesus is ever our companion on the way. He continues in the teaching of prayer with a story about a neighbor whose impudent prayers for help, caring for an unexpected guest, are answered grudgingly. Perhaps we fear that's how our prayers are heard in heaven. Do you ever wonder if that's the case or wonder why your deepest, most heartfelt prayers for just a little peace, just a little justice, Just a little mercy. And not even for ourselves, but for others. Why they seemingly go unanswered. Jesus knows that experience. Don't give up, he tells us. Don't give up. And why not? He shifts to some rhetorical questions, reminding us of God's steadfast love. All we have to do is ask. All we have to do is search. All we have to do is knock. And our needs will be supplied. And in fact, there's more. In the very next sentence after this reading, Jesus is casting out a demon from someone who cannot ask. They are mute. But after encountering Jesus, the demon is gone. And they can speak. Even when we can't ask, our needs are met. Jesus tells us, if all of you who are not perfect give good gifts to those you care for, how much more will God, who loves you, who created you, give good gifts to you? Teach us to pray, we ask, unsure of how our prayers will be received. And we end up receiving so much more than we could ask or imagine. Teach us to pray, we ask, and we receive the gifts of God and are made truly alive together with him. Thanks be to God.